Satan has all kind of tools. Watch this. It doesn't make any difference which tool he uses. Because right now the dark cloud is descending upon this speaker. When I look out in that abyss, I don't know what I see. Our patriotic movement will overcome this terrible deception. Welcome and thank you for being with us today. I am your host, Billy Ray Parrish, and this is Imagine If You Will. If you ever watched or listened to the show on God's Gospel Radio Ministry, then you're familiar with the way we work. But if you're not, it's simple. We challenge you, the listener, to look at an issue or topic from a biblical perspective. As a Christian, and this is a Christian show, we ask you to adhere to what God's Word says which is the most important aspect of any believer's life. Over the last few weeks, it has become quite clear, if you didn't already know it beforehand, that November 2020 is right around the corner. Yes, my friends, election time. We're seeing the same playbook as we saw in 2016. It's just in different wrapping. Over the last week, I have been questioned about how a Christian man can support Donald Trump. I've heard this since the 2016 election. How can a Christian man, how can a Christian vote for someone like Donald Trump? I do understand the skepticism and criticism from 2016 surrounding Trump's campaign because we had no idea how he would govern. For me, personally, I was completely on board the Trump train and never once did I think about abandoning it. But there's a long list of politicians who have made many promises without ever living up to any of them. And President Obama is just one example. When we look at 2016, it's easy to see that so much has changed. So much was changing then. People were literally mad and disgusted with the political establishment as this establishment had sold us out for so long. And if they were given the opportunity to do so, they would have continued. Thankfully, though, they were denied that opportunity. And the fact that Trump won his nominee or the nomination for the RNC and he won the election speaks volumes about the attitude towards the political establishment. But Trump's election was not the first sign of this frustration and disgust with the political establishment. We look across the pond with Britain voting out of the European Union. Then just a few years ago, before 2016, we saw the rise of the Tea Party, which was a grassroots conservative movement against the political establishment then. People were mad in Britain for all the same reasons that Americans were mad, and they were saying enough was enough. They're still saying that. Unfortunately, though, the Britons have yet to experience what they voted for, and this should make all Americans more thankful for the rights and the freedoms that we do have as of right now. 
the freedoms are dwindling, and there are many examples of this. Again, I did understand the criticism of Trump during this period of time because he had been a Democrat most of his life, so we did not know what to truly expect. We were asking ourselves, or we were wondering, was he trying to sell us on something and to do the old bait-and-switch maneuver that so many politicians are known for? Or was the man sincere? With his first term nearly complete, we have enough of a recipe to conclude that Trump was sincere about what he was saying. So there are many different reasons why a Christian would and should vote for Donald Trump. However, if you conduct an internet search, you'll find web page after web page and article after article dedicated to why a Christian should not vote for Trump. But I ask you please to not be naive because most, if not all of these resources are from the left and know very little about what Christ has to say or even what it means to be a Christian. Now whether or not you agree with me, I ask you to please imagine, if you will, a Christian's case for re-electing Donald Trump. And over the last four years, we have found out, if not more than anything else, that Trump is a leader. Trump has always been a leader. He's one of the most prominent businessmen in the world, and he has been for some time now. And he's one of the most kind-hearted men in the world, especially at this level. I have had people point out to me on several different occasions that Trump is not the successful businessman that he makes himself out to be because he has had business adventures fail. Well, if you are in the business world and you take on business risk, the more risk that you take on, the more failures that you will have. You are going to have some kind of failure along the line somewhere or another. I'm not in the business world. I have had business adventures, and I failed on some of them. But success does not mean you don't fail. Success means when you do fail, you don't let it stop you. You keep going. You learn from your mistakes, and that's what Trump did. That's what Trump has done his entire life. It's been rumored for some time now that Trump was going to run for president, and when he finally did and announced his uh presidency or his uh, aspirations for pre the presidency in 2015, many people laughed at him. And Coulter was left off of Bill Maher's stage because of, because of her comment that Donald Trump was the most likely Republican to not only be the nominee but to win the presidency. People thought she was out of her mind, but little did they know how right she was. She saw something. She saw the frustration of the American people. She knew what it was like to have her voice not heard. Now, there have been some things that she has said in the recent months and years to make me wonder and shake my head about, but at that particular period in time, she knew exactly what she was talking about. Now, if you ask me, how can a Christian man or a woman vote for Donald Trump? I will give you several reasons why. The first, and for me, probably the most important reason, is that he is pro-life. 
I understand why people shake their heads at this or scratch their heads because, well, for the most part, he was pro-choice most of his life. But Trump has matured with his age, and thankfully so. He is similar to President, uh, President Reagan in regards to abortion, at least in the sense that he is only for abortion in the instance of a rape, incest, or the life of the mother. On May 18, 2019, President Trump tweeted out, as most people know, and for those who would like to know, I am strongly pro-life, with the three exceptions, rape, incest, and protecting the life of the mother. Same position taken by Ronald Reagan. Well, if we had a Mount Rushmore of presidents, especially Republican presidents, Reagan would be up there. There are a handful of good presidents with several handful of bad presidents, and Reagan tops that list of good presidents. Ronald Reagan also observed, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born, and while that sounds simple, it is simple. It is that simple. When we look at those who are advocating to do away with those who have yet to be born, they're already born. Now, abortion is a deadly evil in this country, and it impacts us all, regardless if we realize it or not. When we talk about the future of the country as our youth, it can't possibly be if we keep killing them off. There are some statistics that I do want to point out. For example, unintended pregnancies account for about half of all pregnancies. That's amazing if you think about it. Amazing. CNN has reported that between 2006 and 2010, 51% of U.S. pregnancies were unintended. But there is a drop in this number. In fact, it was only 45% during the period from 20, 2009 and 2013. Now, that is a, that's a nice little drop, 6%. So let's hope that it continues to drop. We're seeing that about 1% of all pregnancies ends in abortion. And while that may not sound like a lot, the CDC calculates that 11.6 abortions were performed for every 1,000 women in 2016, which this was uh, the last year in which comprehensive statistics were evaluable. And then we're seeing that nearly half of women seeking abortions have already ended a pregnancy. That say that 48% of abortion patients were found to have one or more abortion previously. Well, what that tells me is that the more you do so, the, more, the easier it is to continue to do so. There are several documentaries that are available about abortion to the audience, including one about Norma McCorvey who is the woman who had the first legal abortion, and before her death, she was anti-abortion. She was pro-life. And that tells you a lot because this, the demand of an abortion on a woman, physically and mentally, is great. It is great, and we cannot overlook that. And too many people do. Another aspect of abortion is 
the lack of accountability and responsibility that people have, especially for the younger generation. Stats show that over half of women choosing abortions are under age 25. <clears throat> Teenagers accounted for 19% of the abortions in 2009. And women aged 20 to 24 accounted for 33%. And these statistics are from the People Concerned for the Unborn Child, which is a pro-life organization. But it does seem that the numbers are changing here as well. Whereas the, the rate for women under age 20 fell to just 18% by 2013. So that is a slight tick down. 1%, which may not seem like a lot, but 1 adds to 2 and 2 adds to 4 and so forth. Now women of color are more likely than white women to get abortions. And Candace Owens provides an interesting stat suggesting or pointing out that 800 black children are aborted on a daily basis. That's a lot. It's a lot of children. Again, how is the youth our future if we keep killing them off? Stats say that black women are almost four times as likely as white women to terminate a pregnancy, while Hispanic women are two and a half times as likely than white women to get an abortion. Non-Hispanic white women accounted for 36% of abortion in 2013. Now, these statistics are nearly a decade old. And I hope, I hope, I can't guarantee, but I hope that there is a trend downward. Because it does seem that these people, or these numbers, are trending down. And again, talking about accountability and responsibility, unmarried women account for two-thirds of all abortions. Overall, the abortion rate among unmarried women was 85% in 2009, according to the CDC. Now, I do not look at the CDC as the ultimate source on anything, especially with what we've seen in the aftermath of the uh, COVID-19 fiasco. But these statistics do spell or paint a bigger picture in that abortion is a human tragedy and scripture even tells us that those that the hands who cause innocent bloodshed is an abomination unto the lord and that's exactly right and i don't know how anyone could read that and say that abortion is not the shedding of innocent blood now if I don't want to make this entire segment about abortion. I want to move on. Abortion is one of the most important issues facing our country today. Hopefully we will see this evil done away with. Now, Donald Trump has put America first since he's been in office. And this is clear with the way he's handled the Chinese. He has strangled the Chinese economy. If you listen to many economists, they want you to believe that the Chinese... They're on top of this trade war, although they have bought a hundred tons of gold. They are not in front. They're actually on the uh, losing end of this trade war, which is one reason why they released the COVID-19 virus upon the world to do away with the trade agreement. Remember, in January of 2020, Trump and the Chinese government were to sign phase one of the 
Chinese trade agreement, the one proposed by Trump and agreed uh, upon. However, that didn't happen. And now we know why. Now we know why the Chinese government, at least in one reason, unleashed this upon the world. We have seen Donald Trump stand up to the foes of America, and he stand, has stood strong against foreign enemies. And he's for security. And I'm not talking about just border security. I'm talking about for the men and women of law enforcement and the military, EMTs, EMS, whatever you want to call them. We see in scripture that if we don't protect our own, then we are worse than an infidel. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 tells us, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Remember what John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his blood, he gave his life, so that we ourselves could have an opportunity at everlasting life. And if we fail to protect our very own, then we have denied the faith. We have basically boycotted what God came to earth for. So we are not to act as an infidel. We are to act as a soldier of Jesus Christ and do as he instructs. Psalms 122 and 7 tells us, Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. In order to have peace, we must have security. In order to have prosperity, we must have peace. We don't have peace. We don't have prosperity. And I, I understand when people point out, well, we go to war so we can be prosperous. That's true in a sense, but not everyone gets rich when we're at war. Only those in power gets rich. Those are the ones that prosper, while the ones fighting the battles actually, well, typically are impoverished, which is a sad reality, but it is a reality. Jeremiah 33 and 6 tells us, Behold, I will bring in health and cure, and I will cure them, and I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Before we can have peace, we must know what is truth. What is truth? Christ says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Pilate had the truth right in front of him, but he asked, what is truth? Now, was he sarcastically asking this? Did he know what truth was? Or that truth was standing in front of him? Or was he afraid of the backlash from the Roman Empire? These are all very good questions to ask. But the fact is that we can't have peace unless we have truth. And before we can have prosperity, well, we must have peace, and peace comes through security. Trump has stood up to our allies, or has stood up for our allies, and has stood up to our enemies. So when we think about security, Donald Trump is the only candidate that offers a real sense of security. I'm not talking about the fakes of security that some of these government officials have provided in this aftermath of COVID-19. COVID-19 has proven to be a disaster. It has been called the worst political hoax in American history, and I think that the numbers warrant for that title. 
there is a lot of deception about around this virus and if you're not careful then you're going to be swept up in the aftermath of it when we, when we see for example governors and mayors saying stay home don't go to work don't go to church but go to the liquor store or go to the grocery store or don't go to church stay at home so you can protect protect yourself however you can get together and protest all you want or don't go on vacation or don't go to church while we go on vacation while we go to the beauty salon and while we go do this and that Lori Lightfoot of Chicago tells her people not to go on vacation not to go to church not to do this not to do that not to open a gym not to go to the gym however she goes to the beauty salon Gavin Newsom in California says don't go on vacation however his family goes to Montana on a vacation William Barr has said, the Attorney General has said on different occasions that many people believe that there are two sets of standards of justice. One for everyday people, everyday Americans, and one for those in power. Justice cannot be accomplished if there is a mindset that there's two sets of standards of justice for, for everyone. I personally believe that the Trump administration and the Attorney General are working hand-in-hand -hand together to ensure that justice is done. William Barr has recently said that the wheels of justice are turning, although slowly, but they are turning. Remember, in order to have justice served, the right people have to be in power. They had to clear out so many of the judges. They had to clear out so many of those that were in power, protecting those elites that were in power at the time. How do you think Jeffrey Epstein was able to get along or go so long without being brought up on charges? Cindy McCain said herself that everyone knew about Jeffrey Epstein, but nobody in the legal system would take him on. Why is that? Because of his connections, because of the people that he knew, because of the people that were protecting him. The wheels of justice may seem slow, and I'll admit, four years is a long time. But in the next four years, after Trump wins the election, you'll start seeing a lot of these people go down, which is why a lot of these things are taking place right now. We're talking about security. These people are trying to make you think that they're in charge or they're in control. There's a group of anarchists that have uh, just blocked off an entire block of uh, Seattle. And the officials up there are doing nothing about it. The governor and the mayor both are allowing this to go on. This is not a peaceful protest. Once you start roping off streets, blocking off ordinance and so forth like that and guess what you it's not a it's no longer a protest it's an insurrection and i get it i've heard judge napolitano on fox say that this was within their legal rights and maybe it's a good idea to let it go on for a few more days longer why well it's day two and they're already out of food once they start running out of necessary necessities guess what's going to happen they're either going to give up 
or they're going to do something that they shouldn't have done and the the police force or the military will be called upon and they will shut down this insurrection. Trump himself said if they do not get something done that he will do it. So it, it remains to be seen what's going to happen as of the recording of this broadcast. But I want to tell you something. Trump's not let us down yet and he's not going to let us do it. He's not going to let us down again or anymore. Now, he doesn't take any punches. He really doesn't. Trump does not take any punches, and that's from the establishment. He has cleared out so many of those in the establishment of the swamp. Washington, D.C. was literally built on a swamp. They talk about Chicago being the Windy City. Well, the, it, it's called the Windy City not because of its weather, but because of its winded politicians. And Chicago has a long history of winded politicians. Now, what I love a lot about Trump is that he, he does not go out of his way to win over just any race group. You see so many politicians try to paint as this group, that group, or whatever group. And they, they pull out all the punches. Now, I want to tell you something. It's not a black agenda. It's not a white agenda. It's not a Asian agenda. It's an American agenda, and that's how it needs to stay. I heard someone on Fox News earlier say, it was Lawrence Jones, he was talking about the black agenda, Trump's black agenda. I like Lawrence Jones. I respect Lawrence Jones, but it has to be an American agenda. Once we start looking at it from a perspective of a racial agenda, any racial agenda, then we've lost justice. Then we've lost the touch with everyone. If you start looking at people as as just votes, as the Democratic Party does, then you no longer represent the people. Now, when Trump is out about in his rallies, doing his rallies, his campaign speeches and so forth, he doesn't have to rely on uh, lame gimmicks or pandering to people. He provides stats and evidence for why people should vote for him. He truly believes in equality for all. And he has shown this time and time again. They say he's racist. He married a foreign woman. How much? Larry Elder said if this man's a racist, he's a bad racist. Or he needs to go back to racism school. He has not held any lame gimmicks trying to prove to a particular race why they should vote for him. Why doesn't he do this? Well, the, the stats speak for themselves. You look at any race group and you see the lowest unemployment rate for these people. For whichever race group you're talking about. If you uh, look at the food stamp ratio, so many people are off of food stamps. Why? Because they have hope again. They don't have to depend on the system. Now, of course, I do not like to quote this name very often, but Mitt Romney said that 47% of the people are never going to vote for him. And you know what? He's right. You got 47% of the country, that's one way. 47% of the country, that's another way. And then you've got that 6% of the people right there in the middle that you have to try to win over. Now, don't pander these people. Just give them your case. And that's where so many of these politicians have gone uh, awry. Because, well, guess what? They're not doing this. They're not laying their case out. Trump spoke his heart. He said that I'm here for you. The American people, the, the forgotten man and woman of this country. That's why Michigan voted for him. That's why Wisconsin went, went for him. That's why Pennsylvania went for him. These Rust Belt states, the ones that are typically 
in a Democratic Party, although they, they aren't represented by Democrats, they vote for Democrats, which is kind of like a Southern Democrat. They're holding on to something that doesn't exist anymore. The Blue Dog Democrats, as they used to call them. But Donald Trump believes in capitalism. He is for the free market. He understands how business works. He is opposed to socialism. He does not believe in taking from people and giving it to others, which is simple. He understands the way the economy works. He understands that if you cut regulations and restrictions that hurt businesses, then the businesses boom. He opened the economy back up, which he has said time and time again that we are not going to shut the economy down again. The country does not need to be shut down. The numbers are in. The lockdowns were unwarranted. And the lockdowns that are still in place are unwarranted now. But once you understand the way things work, guess what? You can fix the problems. And that's how Trump has been able to fix the economy. Obama asked, what magic wand does he have to bring the jobs back? Well, that's simple. The magic wand that he has is a backbone. Business smarts, business understandings, the way these things work. Obama just didn't get it. He was relying on people to depend on the government for so much that he created votes or created voters. That's how the Democratic Party has won over these minority communities for so long. They tell them that there is no hope. The other side doesn't want you to have hope. And the only hope is for you to be on government assistance. And so many have bought into this lie. White people are the same way. There are many in my family that are this way, which is why we have to have someone in, in office who understands the way business and the economy works. Now, for Billy Ray Parrish, this is imagining, if you will, and this has been a Christian's case for Donald Trump. Thank you for listening, and until next time, God bless.